On this episode, we explore whether Ireland's second wave of COVID-19 will cut down musical theatre's green shoots and celebrate musical theatre legend Alan Menken's induction into the Elite EGOT Club, those who have won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar and Tony Award. My name is Keno Dowd, and this is The Oddcast. Ireland's musical theatre podcast. As you have heard, we have a fantastic show lined up for you. But before all that, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce my co-hosts, the irritated Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. Very apt. I say irritated because we are now no longer sharing the same room. We are back, banished to each of our humble abodes. I mean, what's the opposite of reunited? Like, I mean, you could say separated, I guess. Um disunited dismembered oh wow okay <laughs> whoa adam I, i'm sure your deflation is partly due to the fact that i actually forgot to mention your name first yeah we had written that into my new contract it was i took a, a hefty price chip on my salary to have my name go first <laughs> yeah that's true um you went off of zero money to zero money but less insults <laughs> And a donut. <laughs> and an occasional donut if one happens to be left over. Yeah, the donut, which has to be delivered now, I guess. You need to find somebody who does donut delivery. Well, yeah. Yeah, I can't see you getting that anytime <laughs> soon. It, it sort of feels like we're we're back around March time. Back where it all began with the Oddcast. Yeah. Yeah, this is real, real March Oddcast vibes. Though, it's worse because at least in March we had nice weather. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Trust you to find a bad situation and make it worse. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for. Thanks. I have been described on many occasions as a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm sorry, okay? I said I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to keep bringing it up. <laughs> I'm just making sure everyone's aware of, of the insults you hurled at me when we, yeah. when we recorded previous iterations of this episode. This is this is exactly the kind of thing you won't hear from me on, on your new contract. <laughs> Not to your face, anyway. Behind your back. <laughs> no, not, not to your... I mean, no, but I mean, I'd at least have the common decency to insult you behind your back. Yeah. Where it wouldn't bruise your sense of self-confidence. <laughs> this is the part where you say, if I could insult you, I would. <laughs> if, I, if I were to insult you, this is probably what I would say. <laughs> um, it's, it's deeply unpleasant to be, uh, to be doing this separately because it's just far more clinical and far less just conducive to a good chat it does feel more like work doesn't it yeah like endless zoom meetings yeah where you were waiting for people to join and rejoin because their connection wasn't great because somebody's son was playing Fortnite (laughs) endlessly (laughs) i have to say i do think my least favorite noise currently like far outweighing nails in a chalkboard is the zoom entrance and exit chimes that are the default especially i will have work calls where the entire company nearly will be on a call at once just for an update from the ceo and so literally throughout the entire call you have ding 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 ding, <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> oh it is it is rather sad but um and, and to make matters worse this has not only interrupted our enjoyment of podcast proceedings but it has also cut off i would imagine 
some of the very nascent green shoots that were beginning to happen in musical theatre because some people were beginning to find a way, much like nature in Jurassic Park, (laughs) musical theatre was finding a way in Ireland because recent winners of Best Overall Show Award Southeastern Theatre Group were planning to put on what they called a socially distant musical comedy, a version of Company. Yes. Now, I can only hazard a guess as to what the the socially distant aspects of it were, but that was due to take place from the 25th to the 28th of November in the Theatre Royal in Waterford. But you have to imagine, if you were sitting there, you'd be feeling pretty pessimistic about your chances of going on in late November. Yeah, I wouldn't want to try and rehearse a musical via Zoom. That just, <laughs> that would be chaos. Mm. And especially and anything by Sondheim that definitely doesn't translate well to a Zoom call. <laughs> Though in fairness, in company, like, what is it? Bell rings, door chimes, in comes company. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> are you, are you you're, you're talking about replacing it with the Zoom chime, is it? Yeah. Zoom chimes, Skype time, in comes company. Oh, hello. I, hear, I feel a parody oh. coming on. You may be onto something there. <laughs> yeah. I think you should ring Stephen Sondheim's representatives, see if we can get something lined up for you. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? You get told no. Yeah. yeah. Or I get told yes and make an absolute show. Of no, myself. you're right. Actually, yes would be far worse. <laughs> yes would be way worse. Because if there's one thing about Stephen Sondheim musicals that people, you know, would like you to tinker with, it's the lyrics generally. I think he's like he's not really renowned for his lyricism. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's the terrible lyrics. I think that's what drags down every one of his shows. Mm. Just no thought put into it. No. That's my gripe. No <laughs> thought. No thought. Yeah, so I mean that has to be annoying for for the guys in Waterford. So I I'd be I'd be interested to see if they postpone, if mm. if they hold out and see because they weren't the only ones. Yeah, they're not the only ones. But I think it was going to be very, very difficult to orchestrate and to manage at the best of times. Mm. considering the precautions that you would have to take in rehearsing a show that you ordinarily wouldn't have. I know Company is a smaller cast. I think it's about 14 in it. So it's not your full big chorus show, but it's 14 is still a good number of people. Still a lot like when you're, when you can only have 50 in a, in a, in a indoor event. Yeah. You know, even under phase two. And that includes I'm assuming that includes like, you know, any orchestra or sound or lighting or crew, like, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, when you factor them in, you're probably well down to about probably, let's say 40. Yeah. And then you're like 14 are going to say like, who's actually going to be able to come and see the show? Like, you know, (laughs) you're not leaving much space for the actual audience, you know. I don't know whether they were, they were going to supplement with, you know, any kind of online viewing. I I, I hadn't seen anything around that. Mm. You'd hope so. Simply simply because like, you know, even trying to plan anything now, like as a, even like, you know, if you want to go see a show, like no, just nobody has any kind of control over anything at the moment, really. It's just, you know, you can't, you can't make any kind of plan at all. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you run the risk of, you know, when sitting around on, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 7th of October, but if you were sitting around on Sunday night, you wouldn't have had any real indication that okay cases were going up but not that we were going to be thrust into a much more severe lockdown Mm -hmm, yeah and then sunday night comes along and you get that nefit recommendation and then you get the announcement by the cabinet on monday so it all moves incredibly quickly Yeah. yeah so you really can have everything changed 
literally overnight. This is true. The big loophole seems to be having a wedding, though. I mean, a wedding actually would get you up to that 50 number of people still. So, <laughs> so if you just replace the song, I'm not getting married today in company with, I am getting married today. <laughs> and an actual marriage. I think that takes a couple of months to arrange. <laughs> yeah. I think that takes a couple of months. They, they're not the only ones affected. I know um, Side by Side by Sondheim, which is, of course, I mean, it's very obviously Sondheim. Uh, sometime affected program this autumn but um a review which was being put on i know in the little theater in goria i think it had some other dates around the the southeast of the country but that was originally meant to be on the 9th and 10th of october and that's now being postponed till the 13th and 14th of november with a big question mark i guess with a big question mark those must be viewed as provisional dates at this stage. So it it isn't good. And what little hope we had that things were going to improve and to allow some kind of artistic expression seems to be unfortunately dissipating. So very, very disappointing. It is. And I was lucky enough to get in in that window between the the lockdowns. I managed to get into the Moat Theatre and see a play by local playwright Connor Burke called Sophie Ben and other problems that's right so you know and actually I have to say the moat was really well um they're really well organized and really well prepared for all of the coronavirus kind of restrictions it was in mm. um, kind of individual tables rather than in your normal tiered seating and table service of drinks you know before performance um had there been an interval during the interval I presume as well it, I think that's probably the future of the theaters that can accommodate that kind of a setup in a cabaret sure. setting yeah. when we you know, emerge from the far side of this lockdown. Yeah, and I suppose you're right that there are very few settings that can accommodate that because if that kind of cafe-style seating with individual tables on a flat plane, a bit like Vicker Street, if anybody's mm. had a comedy, was at a comedy gig in Vicker Street, they'll be familiar with what the kind of the, the look of it is. But most theatres won't be able to accommodate that kind of seating. Um, and we'll have to go with something a little more spaced out and a little more traditional, which isn't ideal. Uh, and I know most of them are staying closed. Mm-hmm. It's it, Unfortunately, the, the winter months don't look good, suffice to say. Let's just put up the Christmas tree now. Just, you know, <laughs> roll it forward. Yeah. Just roll it forward. Nothing. Just have something to look forward to. Yeah, or just something nice to look at. <laughs> let, 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 yeah, let's, true, not, let's not even true. look forward. Let's not even try to plan either. Just have something nice, yeah. a nice vista. We are within our control with Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. We can do it. That's true. I mean, you'd want to, like, you'd want it to be an artificial tree, wouldn't you? Because I, <laughs> I think if you're putting up a real tree now, what and watch, watch it die in front it's of you. Incredibly yeah, optimistic probably. if you think that's lasting you look real Christmas. I think that'd be pretty grim. That's a metaphor for 2020 right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean everybody's having a pretty terrible 2020 mm. unless you're Alan Menken. Oh yeah. He's having a good because, time. Because well I was going to say Paul Meskel, right? He's had a pretty good 2020. He's having a good 2022. But Alan Menken has finally joined the EGOT club. Dan, you were having a little bit of a look at this for us. I mean, what is what is the EGOT Club? So the EGOT is, well, it is, it is an acronym. Now, what is an acronym? 
Well, an acronym is defined. Oh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Please give me an in-depth <laughs> etymological Webster's assessment. dictionary of- defines <laughs> an acronym as um, the word etymology derives from the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> this just descends into like 40 minutes of <laughs> defining words. I'm not going to lie. I would listen to this podcast. Mm. Yeah, this does feel like my college essays. <laughs> what were you were trying to get up to the word mark, was it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Defining everything. Absolutely. Getting up to the word count, trying to make myself sound smart. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and so anyway, back on topic. Uh, and EGOT is, it stands for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And basically, it, it kind of refers to this uh, elite, exclusive little mm. club of people who have managed to win at least one or you know maybe even more than one but at least one of each of those four awards and because they're kind of seen as like obviously the pinnacle for kind of i suppose like in terms of like the oscars for film the emmys for television the tonys for stage and then the grammys for music so you know they're kind of seen as the 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 elite a grade of award that you want Mm. to be winning um and it is it is a very tough kind of challenge obviously to kind of be able to to kind of excel in achievement across all four fields. Yeah. Um, so that's why it, it, it is a, a pretty exclusive club. And as of 2020, it, it only has 16 uh, members at this at this point in time. It is kind of important to remember that it only became possible to win an EGOT, oh, I want to say kind of like the late 50s. Right, yeah. Because obviously the, Acad- the Academy Awards, the Oscars have been around the longest since like the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was the Tonys was next kind of towards the end of the 1940s mm. and followed closely by the Grammys in the early 50s. And maybe it was the end of the 50s by the time Emmy Awards were established. That's true. And what would we do without award shows? And now there's award shows left, right and center. You can win an award for anything. How standards have fallen. Yeah, they're even giving awards to people like Dan these days. Christ. Thank you. Mm. Because, of course... Dan picked up an Ames Award for the tiny minority of people who are listening to this podcast who weren't watching the Ames Awards recently. <laughs> Spoiler, if you haven't recorded yeah. for yourself. If you haven't, if it's, yeah, if it's, it's kind of the, the middle of October and you haven't watched that yet, you really need to do something. You're, you really need to take yourself aside and have a, have a good hard talk with yourself. But uh, yeah, I mean, sure, they're throwing out awards left, right and center, mm-hmm. but uh, but notwithstanding that, it did take dear Alan Menken some time to get his um, his EGOT status certified. And what did it for him? So for obviously, you know, because we've mentioned Alan before. He's a good friend of the podcast and a long time listener. <laughs> he is, yeah. I assume. I assume. Don't fact check that. Yeah, he's tried to call in a few times, but it's the... the- Indeed. Honestly, it's just he's a bit of a bore. Indeed, he is. He's just oh, he just wants to talk about himself and his achievements. It's like, ugh, oh, no, know. thank you, no, thank you, and it's going terrible. on about how he's been denied an Emmy for so long. I was like, yeah, we get it. Like, cool, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, he so obviously um, best known for his work with Disney, uh, particularly during the the nineties uh, for like mm. the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas. Um, so like was kind of a mainstay at the Academy Awards in the early nineties for best original song and score. Um, you know he picked them up in, in 1990, 92, and ninety three and ninety six. So you know. Very like for original song, um, and then kind of in, obviously in tandem with that, the Grammy Awards kind of going hand in hand really with those 
obviously winning awards for those songs at the Grammys as well. Um, and then he kind of, so a, a kind of, he was good way on the road to it, I suppose, throughout the kind of mid nineties, but he only won his Tony Award in 2012. Um, and that was for right. the best, best original score for Newsies, um, which is another Disney property. Oh, wow. And it, and to date, I, it's his only actual win of a Tony Award. He only has the one. Um, he does have other nominations, um, but uh, it's his only win. Interesting. And for a long time, then he didn't have an Emmy Award. It uh, was kind of the one thing that he was missing. And obviously, the Emmys were on recently, and there's about, I think it's roughly. 8,000 Emmys or something is handed out. Don't fact check that. But uh, there's just so many of them these days. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is weird that Emmy is first in the EGOT acronym, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm not sure anyone would rank an Emmy as the most important of those awards or as the most prestigious. It's definitely the easiest to win. <laughs> it's definitely the easiest. I don't know. Gr- Grammys are pretty easy to win. True. Yeah, that's also because it's just so many categories. There is around eighty different categories. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you if you released an album in a year and it didn't get a Grammy nomination, mm. like, what are you doing? We're looking at you, Taylor Swift. Reputation, really? Yeah. Like, you proud of that? You proud of that? Wow! Like yeah. eighty eighty different categories. It's insane. But uh, yeah, so, but there are also loads of different kinds of Emmys as well. Like there's, Absolutely, you yeah. know, daytime Emmys and primetime Emmys and lunchtime Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> afternoon, afternoon snack Emmys. It's <laughs> just, yeah, it's a smorgasbord. It's, it's an, a smorgasbord. It's a smorgasbord. <laughs> there is an Emmy for any time of the day. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're having um, yourself. <laughs> and whatever you're having yourself. But he won his Emmy this year. Uh, it, it was a daytime Emmy actually, uh, for Outstanding Original Song in a Children's Young Adult or Animated Program. Wow. You know. Who'd have thought that was the one that got him over the line? Uh, It was. It was for Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, which was uh, a Disney Channel uh, movie. So there you have it. Now, again, some people might say, oh, is it a real EGOT? You know, a lot of people kind of say it has to be a primetime Emmy before you can actually say it's a true EGOT. But I think it was, was it Whoopi Goldberg, who is another EGOT winner, as she said when she was questioned about it on the TV show 30 Rock, she said, of course it is. A girl's got to eat. So um, <laughs> there you have it. If it's good enough for Whoopi, it's oh, good enough for me. Poor, poor old Alan Menken. He didn't just get inducted into EGOT on that day because he's also now a REGOT. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, somebody who has also, who is an EGOT, who has won a Razzie. Yeah. And for people who don't know, the Razzies are parody awards uh, celebrating underachievement in the dramatic arts and he won for worst original song (laughs) for high times hard times in newsies wow that's an even more select club yeah yeah, exactly you know i think he might be the only member of that i think he is too i'm pretty sure you're right i think liza minnelli has one as well but i think liza minnelli has an honorary award Uh, for her grammy she hasn't got a competitive grammy oh According to Wikipedia. I'm sure that's a reputable source. I mean, I used it for all of my college essays. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, on the subject of Wikipedia, I was doing a bit of reading about where this EGOT thing came from. Because it does seem kind of strange that just like 
mm. those four awards in particular were were chosen as like yeah the four to look for it turns out the term was coined by uh, a guy who will be familiar to to kind of listeners of a certain vintage we'll say a, a guy called philip michael thomas who is famous for Miami Vice. Right. And he kind of had a meteoric rise to fame and publicly stated uh, after the first season of Miami Vice that he wanted to win the EGOT within five years. Right. So that, that's very, oh that's, you know, so he coined Ooh. the term and said, I'm going to do it. So it'd be like, I don't know, if someone discovered a new mountain and said, yeah. I'm going to be the first person to climb that or whatever. So, you know, it is a kind of like ambition. if someone like built themselves a set of wings and declared that they were going to be the first to fly to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just plucked that analogy out of my head. I, I, it's amazing the things you come up with. Honestly. You should write that down. There's a story in that. <laughs> I, I should write it down. I'm pretty sure that's an original thought. <laughs> but poor Philip Michael Thomas, he's yet to be nominated for any of the four awards. And Oh my. And, wow. You know, let's just say it's been more than five years. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I have as many EGOT nominations as he does. So I'm in no real position to be chucking stones in my glass house here. Yeah, but you didn't, go, you didn't go bragging about that. You just wrote it down in your dream journal. Well, and are, are you are you going to declare right here on the Oddcast that you are going to be the recipient of the EGOT within the next five years? Well, you see, five years is quite an ambitious timeline, right? I'm not ruling it out. Do you know? God, it's it's possible. It's possible, Jesus. but five years. You're like you're like a low end Premier League manager playing down <laughs> your chances of victory. Oh no, I'm more like um, <laughs> like a manager of like a non league team saying like it's not impossible. I'll win the Premier League. <laughs> you know, I'm in the ballpark. I like yeah. I've been on a stage, so it's not impossible that I win. That's true. I haven't, you know, but like five years is a bit of an ambitious timeline. Um, considering that the fastest ever winner of an EGOT is a certain Mr. Robert Lopez, yes. who will be familiar to people um, for uh, the Book of Mormon, uh, Avenue Q, uh, also Frozen. I think he also wrote the music for the Scrubs musical episode. Uh, really? Called My Musical, yeah. which I think is an underrated achievement of his. That in of itself should have been awarded a Grammy. <laughs> and and maybe it was who knows who knows they um, probably I'm did. sure there's a category out there for for best soundtrack album to a musical episode of a non-musical series mm. I mean it, it it's right up there it it's it certainly blows Buffy out of the water that was a terrible musical episode oh I don't know that Buffy episode's pretty good oh this feels like a topic in and of itself let's <laughs> yeah, I think so. we, we, we should probably leave it but he did it in nine years nice um okay. which is outrageous That's good. actually it was nine years and eight months, technically. Um, mm. And he was also the youngest. He was like under 40 when he got his ego. Overachieving. Which is absolutely sickening. And and if you think that's not enough of overachievement, he's only gone and done it twice. He's the only person to have a double EGOT in that he has won at least two Emmys, two Grammys, two Oscars and two Tonys. Jesus. A D-Gosh. Sounds like sounds like a low rate Pokemon. <laughs> that D-gosh. is a D-Gosh. That's pretty that's pretty hardcore. Although that like to achieve all of that in in such a short space of time is pretty mental. Um but it's funny like of the 16 egots it, there's a really really strong musical connection. Mm. 
with with virtually all of them because I think only two of the 16 are not, let's say, musical theatre performers. I think Helen Hayes is one of them who was a staple of the, the New York stage for the early part of the 20th century, but uh, John Gielgud as well, um, famously never appeared in a musical. <laughs> Great Shakespearean actor, of course, <laughs> but... Uh, but no, it didn't. Oh, sorry. A third, Audrey Hepburn as well, I'm forgetting. She also was not, uh, although she has a slight musical connection, but n- she didn't win anything for anything musically related. Nor did she do her own singing in My Fair Lady. No, she didn't do her own singing. <laughs> so, but she did at least appear in a musical. This is true. But like when you look across, so that's what, 13 of the 16 are all pretty associated with musicals. Like, in fact, the very first one was, and and he is a P-got. <laughs> Richard Rogers, mm-hmm. the P standing for Pulitzer, which he won for, I think, South Pacific in 1954. Yeah, that's right. Is it not kind of embarrassing that Rogers has it and Hammerstein doesn't? <laughs> like, is that not kind of, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, that must have been awkward. Yeah. No. Just constantly inviting Oscar Hammerstein around to his house, <laughs> pointing to his trophy cabinet. Oh, look at the. Oh, sorry, some somebody haven't dusted the Emmy yet. Do you have? Do you find that with your Emmy, Oscar? Oh, you don't have Isn't one. It's, isn't it sad that he it was an Emmy he missed out on? Like he won the stuff that was worth a damn, right? <laughs> and he missed out on a fucking Emmy. Yeah. I mean, oh. if he hung around long enough, he definitely could have won for lead actor in a web series, you know, <laughs> or some ridiculous crap. But you can win one for now. He totally would have done. No, yeah. That's all he had to do. It's like, I don't know. Best art direction in a bathroom scrawl. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really deriding the Emmys here. I don't know why I'm going in so hard on it. <laughs> I feel like The Simpsons has a lot to answer for in like the derision of the Emmys. I feel like The Simpsons has always been, and Futurama as well. I remember, I think Futurama has an episode where there's the Emmys in the year 3000. And it's across a full week span because they have so many diluted <laughs> categories. Basically what it is it, now. <laughs> Yeah, so so pretty much exactly what it is now. <laughs> I mean, some of the more prestigious winners of it, Marvin Hamlish, who people will probably best know as the composer of the score of A Chorus Line. Of course, another famous EGOT winner. Um, He's a PGOT as well, isn't he? Yes, a P- another PGOT as well. Sorry. Would he, have, would he have a share of the Pulitzer? He does have a share of the Pulitzer. I'm I'm doing him a disservice. <laughs> I was actually mesmerized by the fact that he has three Academy Awards. He won all of them on the same night. What? Which is rather <laughs> amazing. He won Best Original Song and Best Original Dramatic Score for a movie called The Way We Were, which for anybody who's seen it stars Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. But he also wrote the score for a much, much better known Robert Redford movie called The Sting. Oh, wow. Uh, with Paul Newman and Robert Shaw. And so he won. He won best original score for The Sting, best original dramatic score for The Way We Were and best original song for The Way We Were. So Damn. quite a night out. What's the difference between a best original score and a best original dramatic score? Violins. Sorry. So best original dramatic score is like underscoring that's what you're giving it for it seems like a weird category doesn't it it does oh i thought you meant as in like dramatic as in like ooh, tense i don't know is the way we were that tense (laughs) 
It's a Barbara Streisand movie at the end of the day. What's going to happen? And then like, uh, but then they'd have the, like, a, a comedy score, which would just be like someone playing the spoons or something. Like that. <laughs> I know what it is. Oops. <laughs> Speaking of three awards in the same night, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, yeah, Tim look. Rice, and surprisingly, John Legend is an EGOT. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to talk about this now. But those three guys... Mm all won their like final award in the EGOT, which was their Emmy on the same night. I mean, yes. technically it's the same award. Yeah. They all had to share the one. I guess. And uh, they and like it was for their producing of the TV version of Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know what you would call it. The TV movie version. Um, TV movie live concert extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, I think technically it was a live concert to give it its technical term. But yeah. Mm. But like, obviously, John Legend has a mountain of Grammys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like 10 or 11 Grammys. But yeah, very, very interesting. That it, They kind of look a good few people got over the board on that night or got over the line on that night, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd feel like a Tim Rice and Andrew Weber if, if they care about such things. And I'm sure they're that petty that they do. Um, you know, would be kind of annoyed that John Legend also got a share of, of that. <laughs> you know, when his first award was like in 2006, compared to theirs being back in 1980. Mm. For what it have been for cats? No, it's pre cats. Uh, okay, for cats. If only there was some way of finding out what it was for. Okay. <laughs> if only i guess we'll never know oh well right into us <laughs> but i mean we we tend to think of of these things we tend to think of them from the perspective of performers yeah but in actual fact there are there are quite a few names in there who people won't recognize so like somebody like scott rudin for example never heard of him has exactly he's he's an egot and he's an EGOT really as a producer, but the dude has 17 Tony Awards. But he, like, like what did he do to deserve those, though? I mean, I'm not... He did, like, the most important thing in the world. He put up money. He made it rain. Done a bit. That's all, all that matters. All that, but, but, like, some of the things that, obviously people might know of, you know, Passion, I think, was his first Tony in the mid-90s. But he's been been behind things like the Book of Mormon, for example, plays like the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, which was a huge success at the Tonys a couple of years ago. Um, just absolutely fascinating um, stuff. I mean, he's been nominated for ten Academy Awards. Now he won for No Country for Old Men, but but like like there's there's a <laughs> there's a great skill to doing this, you know, to raising the finances and, and to putting it together. And the reality is, is that so many of these musicals and these shows would not grace our stages unless you can find somebody who is very successful at doing that kind of uh, Yeah, work. it's weird. Okay, like, like, like whatever about like the best musical Tonys and I see his Oscar is also for best picture. He must have put money into No Country for Old Men um, when that won. But he also has yeah. like a... Like a like he has a Grammy for the best musical theater album for the Book of Mormon, and I mean, like, yeah, like that seems like a stretch. That's like, like if I give a busker a hundred quid and he uses that money to, you know, record himself and he like it's a great song, I shouldn't take home a Grammy <laughs> that night. Do you know? Yes, you should. You made it. 
you 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 will but which you makes will. it sort of <laughs> academic but uh you it's that, there you go like that's the way it works it's kind of like if if alongside a Johnny Sexton picking up the World Player of the Year award, I don't know Gillette or someone took home the like sponsor of the year award, <laughs> it's a bit strange, isn't it? Am I alone in that belief? Because he like he has the most awards I see of of anyone uh, other than Alan Menken actually like within the EGOT category, and like he hasn't done anything creative to earn any of those awards. I mean, unless. Like Max Bialystok, he he's had to be creative in 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 his accounting. <laughs> Are you suggesting that he romanced old women to get these shows? I'm made? suggesting that all I know about producing is from the film and musical The Producers. <laughs> Go to sources, Annie. <laughs> one 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 decidedly better than the other, and I'm not going to tell you which I think is the better one. Well, which film? There are two films. There are two, yeah. No, there's there's one fucking film. No, there's a film and then a musical and then a film adaptation of the musical. There's one film and there's one attempt at a film. Correct. <laughs> and clearly the Gene Wilder one is the worst. <laughs> clearly, I just hate Gene Wilder. Though it is the one that, um, it, it's the film that got Mel Brooks his Oscar. And it was um, the best original score of the musical version of the producers that got Mel Brooks is Tony. Oh, actually, one of his Grammys is for the producers as oh, well. a gift that keeps on giving. Like, he nearly got it all off the back of the producers. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. You cycle through these names, and it's like, you could spend an entire day talking about Mel Brooks. You could. In fact, you could do an entire podcast on Mel Brooks. <laughs> it would just be amazing. But like, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people like Jonathan Tunick, who, again, nobody will have heard of because he's famous for doing orchestrations. You know, it's an unglamorous, incredibly important job. It's under-celebrated, isn't it? Completely under-celebrated. And it is so important, particularly if you take out revivals uh, versus the original production. If you listen to those albums and you think to yourself, oh, I really loved the music from this version, but the revival is garbage. (laughs) And you kind of go, well, why do I think that? Well, it's because somebody decided it was necessary to update a classical orchestration. It's true. It is true. And I, I won't point at, at any particular productions, lest I be sued. I presume you're talking about Little Shop of Horrors. I could neither confirm nor deny whether the 2009 revival of Little Shop of Horrors desecrated the name of Little Shop of Horrors. But I think but, most people prefer that revamped version, if I'm honest. I think most people prefer Which just goes to show how in short supply tasters... Dan's putting his hand up for the... Listeners at home, this guy right here. (laughs) Anyway, but I mean, like, sorry, John Tunick, the shows that he has orchestrated, like Companies, Follies, A Little Night Music, A Chorus Line, uh, Merrily We Roll Along, Sweeney Todd. Like, it's just a mind-blowing list of shows that he's worked on. Kind of quite surprising that you know, he, he probably doesn't have more awards than he has. I mean, he did win his Academy Award for uh, the film adaptation of A Little Night Music, which I think is from the late 70s. But yeah, he actually himself, himself and Audrey Hepburn are the only two. They Because we talked about at the top of how it's kind of, I suppose, difficult to win, you know, these, I suppose, difficult to win all four of these awards. But himself and Audrey Hepburn are the only two who actually don't have like multiples of any of the awards. They literally just have one of each, which I think is, is kind of nice. Like, literally just, yeah, neat little set on the mental piece. 
Lovely. They're not being greedy. Yeah. They're just like, you know, I've got my EGOT, I'm done. I see as well that he won his Grammy for the orchestration of No One Is Alone from Into the Woods, mm. which is an absolutely stunning song. Yeah. And that arrangement is fantastic. And it goes to show that, you know, if you just had what Stephen Sondheim physically wrote, a lot of the emotion is going to be missing because mm. it's the orchestration of that song that makes it so stunning agreed it is beautiful and he also won oh no that's the tony awards titanic sorry i made this mistake that people always make i read 1997 titanic and i assumed it was the film version yeah yeah it is shocking that those things were made independently (laughs) there must have been an overhearing at a brunch in some like swanky cafe in in manhattan yeah i'd love to know because like i i don't think i don't think the boat's copyright went out (laughs) around <laughs> like the late 90s and it wasn't yeah. the centenary yeah exactly. that's my question i was like what what anniversary were they aiming for because they kind of they, they kind of they missed <laughs> pardon, but they missed the boat like oh, quite literally come on but, but what what was it is like around the 85th anniversary like which is hold yeah, up why? i want to check what i want to check what the thing is what do you give them on their 85th anniversary <laughs> talk amongst yourselves I don't think anyone's ever had an 85th wedding anniversary done. Oh, imagine. Yeah, well, it isn't a musical, is it? Yeah, on your 85th aniver- wedding anniversary, you have to give over a musical. Over the 85th wedding anniversary, you give a White Star Lines ship. Well, it says there are no... An- <laughs> the first result I'm getting here is that there's no anniversary gift for the 85th. What a surprise. Yeah, so it's, oh, it's called a sapphire or diamond anniversary. Well, it's, not, well, it's clearly not diamond. Just diamond is something else. Diamond seventy five, isn't it? Why are you asking me? I think um, so. Yeah, there is. There is no. There's no traditional kind of gift or anything given. So obviously, everyone took it upon themselves. But uh, do you know what people would love for an eighty fifth anniversary? Is a movie and a musical made independently of each other. <laughs> <laughs> but like to, to hit an eighty fifth wedding anniversary, you like assuming marriage at eighteen, the legal minimum. Uh, you'd have to both live to 103. True. So I can't imagine there are too many legitimate legal weddings that have an 85th wedding celebration. Mm. But when well, when we get one, we know we know what they're getting. <laughs> I mean, kind of, there, there are obviously like a huge number of people who they're not quite as EGOT, mm. but they're kind of close. So in the three award brigade, uh, the the one that stands out in my mind just because of his youth, Ben Platt. Yeah. 27 years of age and all he's missing is an Academy Award. What? Pretty impressive. Christ. And aren't they making a Dear Evan Hansen film? They are making a Dear Evan Hansen film as well, yeah. Uh, are they all for Dear Evan Hansen, actually, are they? I think, I think so, yes. Yeah. So he won his Tony, obviously, for uh, Best Actor in a Musical. Um, and he then won, he would have won a Grammy for best musical theater album and then because it, it's kind of a, a thing that's got a lot of people quite close like i know cynthia revo is another one in that bucket that she's quite young and she's only an oscar away as well and she was actually nominated for two this year so she, she nearly completed it this year um and the reason for that is that there was there used to be a daytime emmy award for best performance by a by a cast on a tv program uh. something like that and for several <laughs> several years in a row it was won by so he had like the color purple 
Dear Evan Hansen. I'm pretty sure, like, I think the guys from the band's visit were, like, the last people to win it because they've they've discontinued it now. They're like, no, no more of this. Yeah. But um, (laughs) that's that's what's gotten gotten a lot of people quite close. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can can see how that would happen. I mean, it's just a, a, a huge list of people. Who have three? Manuel Miranda is on three as well, isn't he? He is. He's just missing an Oscar, which he's been nominated for for um, Moana, I think. He was, yes. He has Moana. been. He, he has been nominated for one. Yeah. Um. I mean, other people kind of associated with obviously Leonard Bernstein. He's not going to be winning an Oscar anytime soon. Hugh Jackman could still win an Oscar. True. Yeah, he could. Very true. He could. Yeah, I mean, like he could do, let's say, a really dark Wolverine film. You know, in which he in which he portrays Wolverine where maybe, I don't know, like Professor X has become really frail or (laughs) hold on. I'm remembering something. it it would be considered the best picture for people who only watch superhero movies that year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you never know. It might happen. It might happen. But uh, no Irish names. Not yet. Not yet. I I was I was only think, thinking to myself. Glenn Hansard is probably the closest one. And what has he got? He's he's definitely got an Oscar. We all remember his Oscar where he didn't really let Marquette or Globe. We all remember his Oscar. He also has a Grammy for best musical theater album for once. Yeah, but he didn't. He doesn't have a Tony, and he didn't even get nominated, which I find so strange. Because once one best musical, and yeah. it was nominated for like eleven awards. But weirdly, the score and the, and the lyrics wasn't one of those nominations. Utterly bizarre. It was nominated for the Drama Desk, and I think it won Best Lyrics as well. Yeah, at the Drama it did. Desk. But mm-hmm. um, but it, it is. It kind of goes back to the point about okay, so the musical won Best Musical, and he and Marquette Irglova won or wrote both the music and the lyrics to the whole thing. But yes. You know, to your point, Adam, about producers, they don't get a sniff of that best musical award. Yeah, but the guy who paid for the costumes and who <laughs> yeah. paid for the the lunches during rehearsals, he has one sitting pretty on his. It was an excellent craft food services table that they had set yeah. up for rehearsals. It's true. <laughs> I heard they had three different kinds of shrimp. Oh. The decadence. Yeah. I know. The temerity. I'm glad you said shrimp. I thought you were going to say three different kinds of potato. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> the, the stereotypes we are yeah. peddling. Yeah, and we're peddling them as well. <laughs> yeah, I've just brought it up when no one else did. I feel like it's unlikely that, that Glenn Hansard's going to get himself an Emmy or a Tony at this point. Yeah. No, he's not in that much TV. Well, I mean, as we've proven, you can win an Emmy for anything. So <laughs> watch this space. That could be that could come out of nowhere. It's it's only it's only a matter of time before they introduce one for best performance by a busker in a mid sized European city. Yep. And I mean he has to be a leading contender for that one. Oh yeah. I don't know. I'd say Bono would be pretty annoyed because Bono is like, I have been busking on Grafton Street every year for the last twenty five years or thirty years. Now, come on. Well, of course, he tried to have a bit of a foray into musical theatre. Mm. Less said about that, the better. I quite like that album. I'm not going to lie. Mm. I like that. No, sorry. When I say like, I listened to it when I was 13 and I was on a summer holiday <laughs> and someone gave me a um, bootleg of, what was it called? Into the Dark or Out of the Dark? Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Turn Off the Dark. Turn Off um, the Dark? Which doesn't make sense, really. Um, is it turn 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's, that's ringing a bell. But um, I listened to it on my disc man on my summer holidays in <laughs> Ross Carberry in Cork. Good spot. Oh, wow. You know, there were, like there was a lot of entertainment on offer to a 13 year old in Ross Carberry in Cork. But considering that was one of three CDs I had. Nice. It was one of my top three. In no particular order. You two, of course, have come close. Like they have a hat full of Grammys and they've, I think they've been nominated for a couple of Oscars as well. Like, you know, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you two could do it at some point. Maybe. I'm really disappointed they didn't win it for Goldeneye. <laughs> Goldeneye, that is. They didn't do Goldeneye, did they? Yeah, yeah. Bono and the Edge wrote, wrote um, Goldeneye. Wow. It's sung by Tina Turner. Yeah. June. June. Wow. It's, it's a banger. That is a banger. A great game yeah. as well. <laughs> it, it's a fantastic. They also game. wrote that. They wrote the code for Goldeneye as well. The game, <laughs> amazing. They should have won. They should have won an Emmy for that. <laughs> I, I, I think they're going to introduce that next year. Best coding in an iconic N sixty four title. <laughs> yeah. um, who else is, is is close but no cigar? Um, my fa- my favorite one. My favorite one that's close, and she could have gotten it by now. Julie Andrews is only missing a Tony Award. That's shocking. She's been, well, this is it. This is even more. So she was nominated three times for Best Actress in a Musical. Twice, like, a long time ago. I'm going to say the 60s. And then she was nominated again for her role in Victor Victoria in 1996. But she turned down the nomination because it was the only nomination that the show got. And she felt that the rest of the cast, she felt the show should have got more and that the crew and the cast were overlooked. So she turned it down. Wow. And then... The, the award went on that's, to be... That's a, a tactic I'm going by, to adopt if we're not nominated at the next Ames. <laughs> Just turn it down. I turned it down. I turned it down. But And then it was one for like a revival of The King and I. And I'm not like throwing shade at the revival of The King and I. But Judy Andrews would have won that goddamn award. Like. That is... Like, I, know. I can't tell... Like That is either a complete like distaste and disdain for who is the winner at art that she felt she could turn down a, a nomination where she was like, this is a subjective thing. There can't be a winner and it's not. But her logic behind turning it down was that, well, if you're nominating me, you should nominate everybody else. So maybe it wasn't that. It just seems really stupid to turn down a nomination for an award. But she hasn't been nominated since. So you know. uh, they, they learned their lesson. Learned her bridges there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So she's she's definitely. I mean, it's crazy that she hasn't. But and you know. Yeah. I, if if you would ask me what award does she have, I would have assumed a Tony. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You would. But, but there you, you go. It just goes to show what do I know? <laughs> I was surprised um, not to see Meryl Streep's name anywhere in that list. You would think. People who have lots of awards, she would be like number one, you would think. Mm. But I don't, I, I wouldn't have said she would, if anything, she, might, she mightn't have a Tony award mm. because I, I don't, I wouldn't have said she was a stage actress as much. I could be way off. I could be doing her a complete disservice. And I apologize, Meryl. Can we just get, honestly, can we just get Maggie Smith to record a scat album <laughs> so we can get her a Grammy? <laughs> and get her on the list. Come on. That's what I want. She, she, that'd be unreal. It's just what I want. We should just round up. Here's what we'll do as an Oddcast uh, Lockdown 2 project. Let's round up everybody still alive who's missing a Grammy from their EGOT. And let's record an album with all of them featuring. Let's do like a Hampton cover album. Nice. That's a great idea. I want to, uh, I want to sing Satisfied 
With Christopher Plummer and Viola Davis. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Glenda Jackson spit some sick rhymes. Like. <laughs> Pretty sure she'd be up for that. Oh, it's it's a dream. A fever dream, but a dream nonetheless. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I think that wraps up our exploration into the exciting and interesting world of EGOT. Join us next time where you can catch more hilarious musical theatre fun and frolics with The Oddcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please email us at theoddcastbyoddtheatre.com or give us a shout on Facebook or Instagram at theoddcastbyoddtheatre. Until the next time, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>